Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You're listening to this week's excerpt from the Dear Prudence podcast. To get the full-length members-only version every week, join Slate Plus at Slate.com slash PrudyPod. Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Welcome back to the Dear Prudence Show. I, as always, am your Dear Prudence, or Mallory Ortberg, whichever you prefer. And I'm actually on my own this week. We have no guests. So if you tuned in hoping for any conflict, you're just going to have to hear me fight against the angels of my better nature. Or better angels of my nature. I misremember the quote. I talk a lot, uh, both here on the podcast and in other areas of my life, about commercials that I hate because I watch a lot of television and I have a lot of feelings that I can't keep to myself. I've talked to you about the University of Phoenix ad that just completely mangles if I only had a brain. I've talked to you about that awful Panera Bread commercial where someone promises you salads that have not been dropped in the dirt. Uh, But now I think there's a new one that's actually ready to claim the crown of worst commercial of 2016. And it's actually from the ad council who you would think would know what they were doing. Um, These are the people who brought you Smokey the Bear, Uh, but they are responsible for one of the worst ads I've seen in a long time. It's about uh, prediabetes and how to prevent it. It is a doctor and a patient, and the patient is a lady, 
Marie, you have prediabetes. Prediabetes? She finds out she has prediabetes and says, you know, her first reaction is she's a little stunned. She's a little upset. She says, I can't have prediabetes. I'm a busy mom. I don't have time to eat right or exercise. I'm a busy mom. And this doctor gives her the most dramatic eye roll I have ever seen, like a teenager, and says, oh, you're a busy mom? I had no idea. Well, here's the group of people who are at risk for prediabetes. And he draws her a sarcastic little chart. And the little circle says, everyone who's ever existed ever. And then over here are busy moms. This is great news. Busy moms never get prediabetes. Wait, what? Let me just... Yeah, this is all the people at risk for prediabetes. And way over here, busy moms. And she just stares at him in stunned silence because, you know, you don't go to the doctor hoping that they're going to, like, show you a rude chart. Uh, And then he tries to high-five her. She does not accept the high-five. No. And it cuts to black. I thought at first maybe it was an ad for, like, hey, doctors, you should develop really good bedside manners because otherwise you'll alienate patients um, and they won't take, take your advice. But no, it appeared to be an actual ad for... If you're surprised by your diagnosis of prediabetes, your doctor is going to mock you, um, which I think is a really bad way to treat prediabetes. These, like, by the way, the ad council invented Smokey the Bear, which was like the problem at that point was sometimes people litter fire. How can we get them to stop? And it was like, well, let's go easy on them. They are throwing fire out the window and destroying just millions of acres of forest and like, you know, endangered animals, natural habitats, but we don't want to make them feel bad about it. So let's come up with a friendly bear who's giving you a very special job. Only you can prevent forest fires. You you special, special person. Just please don't throw, you know, on fire things from your car window. We'd really appreciate it. But you pieces of shit, if you get pre-diabetes, boy, oh boy, are we going to have a laugh or two at your expense? You awful, awful person. So, That wins just the worst commercial of the year award. I look forward to seeing what other contenders uh, make their way across my TV screen in the coming months. Once again, I am guestless in this studio. So uh, unless I want to have a conversation with the box of Kleenex or empty water bottles on the table... Uh, I'm just going to have to tackle all of these myself, so I will do my best to argue these from as many points of view as I can possibly muster. Dear Prudence, my parents purchased an apartment for me when I got married. My husband and I eventually moved to a larger house but kept the apartment for investment purposes. I know we're incredibly fortunate, especially in this economy. My sister-in-law is recently divorced, broke, and has had trouble getting even basic child support from her ex. We've been helping out in various ways by dropping off groceries, paying for her car repairs, babysitting when she's at work, etc. Then she asked if she could move into our investment apartment. My husband thinks we should say yes, but this is way out of my comfort zone. She said it's just for a few months, but considering her financial circumstances, I wouldn't be surprised if this stretched out much longer. If she's still broke next year, how on earth could I ask her to move out once she's already in our building? My husband says he'll respect whatever I say, meaning I have to be the witch who says no to his broke and unhappy sister. Am I obligated to help out here significantly? Where can I draw the line? Oh, I really wish there was someone else in the studio because then I could say, wow, what do you think? And formulate my own response. Uh, I, I am realizing now what a corner I have painted myself into. Um, 
I've had other questions in the past about sort of how much should I help out an in-law or a relative where I've kind of come down strongly on the, man, if you're able, you know, ex- extend extend a helping hand. Um, this one feels a little bit more nuanced to me. Um, I, I think, like, it's great that you guys are already helping out. It sounds like what you have been doing to help her out both financially and logistically when it comes to looking after her kids um, has been great. So it's not as if as if you've, like, really fallen down on the job, like, you know, I commend you for for being there for her during a hard time. That really sucks that she can't get child support. I mean, that's uh, really no fault of her own, and that's that's really hard being a single parent. Um, I, I think I actually know where I'm going to talk myself into. Um, you know, I, I I might feel differently if this were your apartment that you lived in. Because uh, it's it's really hard sometimes to invite someone else to move in, especially when you're married and you have a family of your own and you sort of clash with with a new roommate. Um, but uh, I, I I think you should consider. I think you should consider offering the place to her. You don't say that you have like a tenant living there already. Um, I don't want to make too many assumptions, but it doesn't sound like there's somebody living there now you would have to kick out in order to give her this place. Um, so I think if it's if it's sitting empty right now, um, she's your husband's sister. She's really down on her luck. And and again, it's not as if she she put herself in this situation, which is not to say you should never help anyone who has been partly responsible for their own misfortune, just that that's another extenuating circumstance. Um, she's in a very specific time of crisis, um, and she's presumably got pretty young kids. Um, I, I think you should consider, you know, uh, if it does stretch out to a year or two years, you know, there are worse things than not having an investment property for two years if it means the difference between having a place to live and being, you know, effectively homeless for your sister-in-law. So um, I, I do think I would lean toward offering the house to her. Um, I definitely think your concerns are valid. Like, I understand wanting to talk in advance. Like, are we going to sign a month-to-month contract with you? Like, I think you should absolutely sign up a rental agreement with her, even if you're not going to charge her more than, like, a very nominal rent uh, from month-to-month. Like, I think you should have something that you sign so that there's a real feeling of this is a formal agreement. We're entering into this as as partners. Um, This isn't just, like, an informal you're crashing on the couch for a couple of weeks because ambiguity can often lead to uh, hurt feelings and confusion and, and missed expectations. So I think the clearer you can be about what it is that you're extending to her, uh, what it, what are her goals, um, and, and what's a what's a vague time period that you all kind of hope to to limit this this visit to. Um, visit is not the right word. She's not visiting. Um, I think that would be helpful. But I think you and your husband should talk it out. Like if you think, I okay, like. At most a year, at most 18 months, but I really want to start using this afterwards. I think that's that's fine, but, you know, this apartment was given to you. You have an opportunity to help somebody out who has little kids. I mean, I, I think if, if, if the alternative is for her to look for, like, a, a shelter or to stay with other friends, like, to think of what that would be like for her children, that would be really hard. And if you have the ability to help her out and it wouldn't come um, at a big financial cost to you, um, I think you should consider it. I, th- I think I think that it would be something that you would be really glad to have done um, in the future. And I, I don't think it's going to strike you an irreversible financial blow. So 
all right, just to look at this from a different angle, uh, maybe there's something about the idea of having her in property that you own that's hard for you to get past. Um, And consider whether or not you and your husband would be able to, for example, help her pay rent uh, on a different apartment for six months to a year. Maybe that would be, you know, financially viable for you guys, as well as uh, sort of keeping you from feeling like, oh, this rental property that I was really hoping to use to sort of save money for our own future or retirement or college fund for our children or whatever. Um, That's a little too intimate. I don't want to open that up to be a guest house, but uh, we do have the money and the resources and we want to help you have a place to live. So we'll help you find a place that you can afford and subsidize it until, uh, you know, a year from now or until you're able to get child support or something. If, if, if that's an alternative that feels more viable to you, you know, float that past your husband, see how he feels. There might be alternative ways to help her that don't involve moving her in. Um that's kind of a shot in the dark. We'll see. We'll see. I'm just trying to, I'm not even playing devil's advocate. I'm playing like slightly stricter boundaries having advocate. I think the devil's advocate would say, you know, mean things, Scrooge things. You know, are there no workhouses? Are there no, there are no workhouses. So no, that's no longer an alternative. I'm going to take a break for a moment to remind you all that the complete Dear Prudence podcast experience is exclusive to Slate Plus members. Members get much more of this show, more questions, more answers, more talking, more advice, with no ads or interruptions. They also get more of the Dear Prudence column on Slate.com. And that's not all Slate Plus members get longer ad-free versions of other Slate podcasts, too. They get access to the ambitious Slate Academy series like The History of American Slavery and A Year of Great Books. They're first in line for tickets to Slate events like live podcast tapings, and they get 30% off tickets. That's not even all. They're tall, strong, and never have cavities. And the whole thing is just $5 a month or $50 for a year. Try it free for two weeks. Go to slate.com slash prudipod to sign up. All right, this next letter does not involve anyone being, you know, possibly put out on the street, which already puts it in the top 10% of letters for me. Dear Prudence, my husband and I are vegetarians, and we're raising our son to be one too. We will let him decide what he wants to eat once he is an adult, and we have nothing against people who choose to eat meat. It's just not something that we want to do. My parents were always supportive of my choice. I quit eating meat at age four and are very accommodating of how we have chosen to raise our son. Our problem is my husband's family. They undermine us constantly. They'll offer us something vegetarian to eat and later inform us that there was ham in it. Or they'll sneak lunch meat onto my son's plate after I've already made it and then throw an outrageous fit when I won't let him eat it. All of our requests to respect how we are raising him are met with things like, your beliefs are stupid. Well, this last week, I had to go on a business trip and they volunteered to look after our son while my husband worked. Before I left, I packed him more meals and snacks than he could ever eat. While I was at my conference, you guessed it, my mother-in-law sent me a picture of my son eating a cheeseburger with a caption, See, he's not dying. Prudence, normally that would be bad enough, but shortly after that, he got food poisoning so bad that they had to call an ambulance. He spent two days in the hospital. I don't want him ever to go back there alone, but I also don't want to take him away from his family. Should I give them another chance? Is it too much to ask that they abide by my dietary wishes, the same as if he had a food allergy or if there were religious reasons? Also, should they be responsible for the very large hospital bill? 
Well, this letter just has everything, doesn't it? Um, I think it's really easy for people to bring preconceived ideas about vegetarianism to uh, a letter like this. So uh, I'm going to try to not make any value judgments about the diet you and your husband have um, or or anything about vegetarianism in general, uh, other than to say it's a perfectly healthy way to eat and it's perfectly reasonable uh, to want to raise your child as a vegetarian, especially given, uh, as you do, have the understanding that someday he might decide that he wants to eat meat and you'll let him do that because he's his own person or, or will be, you know, when he's finished becoming a person. He's person adjacent right now. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't sound like you're being really unreasonable, like, oh, man, if my son is ever near chicken broth, I'm just going to lose it. Um, you're you're making a pretty basic request, which is just like, please don't give him lunch meat when there are alternatives. Um, and it's it's not just that your in-laws are not willing to make special meals, like you're taking on the extra labor of, of making vegetarian meals for your son. You're not even asking them to do extra work. Um, they're getting some kind of perverse delight out of pointing out to you how silly they think being a vegetarian is and how funny it is to give him a cheeseburger um, and, and and let you know that like you're you're being ridiculous, which I don't think you ever implied that you thought if he ate a cheeseburger, he would die. Um, I think they're they're reacting to a lot more than what you are putting out there. Um, yeah, I, I, I think if he got food poisoning that bad, uh, it's pretty fair of you to say, hey, guys, I love you a lot and I love when my son's with you. But if you can't abide by some pretty reasonable rules like you're not going to be able to spend time with him without me. That's a pretty appropriate boundary to want to draw. I think if you were to give them the hospital bill, that would probably start a pretty big fight. Uh, I mean, frankly, if it were me, if I were looking after someone and and I took their kid somewhere that they got really bad food poisoning and went to the hospital for two days, I would be like prostrate outside at the door, just like begging for forgiveness and throwing all my money at them um, because I, I really don't want to give a kid food poisoning. So if 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 they haven't already offered that doesn't speak very well of of kind of their feelings towards you guys as part of their family um that said i think handing them the hospital bill i don't foresee that ending well it would it would certainly feel good in the moment especially cuz they've really been going out of their way to needle you uh and their needling has blown up spectacularly in their own faces um but i just think if you say hey here is a $2,000 or $5,000 or whatever dollar bill uh, for the ambulance ride. Pay it at your earliest convenience. They probably won't pay it. Um, and unless you want to go to small claims court with your family over it, it, it might be worth just handing off to your insurance um, and seeing what they can do with it. Um, you know your family best. If if there's a chance they would want to pay for it, you can certainly ask. You can You can certainly say, hey, Love it if you would chip in for the hospital bill that you sent my son to. I don't know if you remember when you sent my son to the hospital, but that costs money. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would say I, I think the most important thing at this point is it's really great that your son ended up being okay. Um, and your in-laws have made it really clear that um, whenever they have your son and you're not around, they're going to like have a lot of fun throwing pepperoni at him. And I think that's kind of creepy. And they should chill the hell out. Like, it's not that big a deal if your son wants to, if you want to raise your son as a vegetarian, he's fine. If he wants to have a burger when he's 18, he'll have a burger. And then, you know, oh no, he spent the first 18 years of his life 
not eating burgers. That's okay. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. What do we got next? Oh, all right. This one is something is afoot. This is about things that are going unsaid but make people deeply uncomfortable, which is one of my favorite type of uh, things. Dear Prudence, I don't know if I'm sensing something that isn't there, but I'm deeply uncomfortable. A good friend of mine is going through a divorce. It's been mostly amicable and actually good for her. She's become more confident and outgoing. I'm happy for her that after over a decade in a deeply unhappy marriage, she's finally getting her groove back. The problem is I feel she may be directing it at my husband. Lately, when she visits our house, my husband and I have both noticed that she focuses her attention primarily on him. She's become unusually invested in being friends with both of us. Before, she was mostly my friend, but now when she visits, she's very enthusiastic about him. She once offered him a massage while I was in another room. He declined and later told me he thought it was weird. More recently, she stopped by unexpectedly and seemed very disappointed to find that my husband wasn't home. She asked when he would arrive no less than four times. We were never the kind of talk-all-the-time friends, but now she texts me almost every day and wants to hang out constantly. It's just weird. I trust my husband. I don't think it's a thing that's actually going on between the two of them. I'm just not sure that I trust her, and I'm thinking it's time to put our friendship on ice. What do you think? Am I overreacting? I love letters like this because it is so clear that you have the correct read on the situation. Uh, like, something's definitely there. You are accurately assessing your friend's behavior. There is nothing going on that you have somehow misinterpreted or overreacted to. She's not secretly planning a surprise party for you with your husband, and when they throw it, you're going to feel like a jerk, because for months and months, she's been like, where's your husband? Is he here? Does he need his back massaged in some sort of way? Because I'm available. Like, yeah, man, your friend's flirting with your husband. And it sounds like it makes him uncomfortable, too. Like, I'd sure feel uncomfortable if some friend of mine stopped by and, like, waited for my partner to leave the room and then was like, do you want a massage? Um, Maybe some people would love that. But it sounds like your husband didn't. And he told you for a reason. Um, And because she's your friend, you get to be the one to, I think, gently at first and then more firmly, if she gets a little shirty about it, uh, let her know, hey, you seem really happy since your divorce. I'm super excited. You've also uh, been hating on my husband a little bit. I've noticed it. Like, you ask about him a lot. Uh, He told me you offered him a massage, and it makes him uncomfortable, and I'd like you to stop. And there are some people who I think the prospect of having that conversation, especially when so far everything's been sort of murky and just below the surface, sounds like, oh, I'd rather just never call her again. Um, And you certainly could. Like, if you hate conflict and you never really liked her that much anyways, you could certainly just sort of stop replying to her texts and not being home when she shows up. But if she's normally a good friend and she's going through kind of a really tumultuous time, she might actually appreciate some feedback. Like, it's very possible that she is directing a lot of, like, outgoing romantic energy at a lot of inappropriate candidates and uh, other people are feeling similarly and it has a lot to do with the sort of time and place she's at right now um and if somebody would say hey you need to knock that shit off uh 
she would probably be embarrassed in the moment. She probably wouldn't like it, but it would eventually be helpful if she could kind of realize, oh, right, just because my marriage is over uh, doesn't mean I should then, like, turn all of my sort of pent-up sexual energy at, like, every person I run into. Um, you're married to your husband. You're not in an open relationship. It's very appropriate for you to tell a friend, please stop flirting with my husband. Um, and if she says, I'm not, you know, you're not there to get into an argument. Like, you can just kind of point out, I just want you to know both Trimothy and I have noticed this behavior, and it makes us uncomfortable. And if she tries to fight you on it, you can say, you can just kind of back off at that point. Like, look, I just wanted to tell you, we've noticed it. It makes us uncomfortable. I'm not here to argue about it with you. Please knock it off. Uh, and, you know, if she responds to that pretty well, if she's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. I didn't realize I'm just so, like, free after years of being in a bad marriage. And, and, and now I'm just so excited. I really apologize. It was unintentional. I'll, I'll calm down. Great. Like, you've preserved a friendship and you've drawn a boundary. And if she blows up, if she tries to fight about it with you, if she denies it, then you get to know this is probably not a friendship that's going to deepen with time because she can't uh, handle pretty reasonable criticism. But yeah, you're not imagining it. You're not being bananas. Um, you're definitely accurate. And, uh, you know, don't offer people massages unless you're pretty sure they want one. You know, I just think that's a good piece of life advice in general. Like, don't just be going around saying, like, who wants a massage? Like, wait for someone to say something like, I'd really like a massage. Or my back is so sore. If only someone were massaging it. Um, you know, like, read the room, right? Like, read the room. Don't be like, ah, your wife's out of the room. Like, do you want an eight-minute massage before she comes back with, like, whatever she left the room to get? Uh, yeah, yeah, no. She's, she's, she's totally being inappropriate and you get to say stop. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This next voicemail is about the little hills that we ask ourselves whether or not it's worth to die on. Um, and I love that kind of question. Hey, Prudy. So my parents and I and my grandparents are going on a giant family trip to Europe um, later this summer. Uh, so I am a queer person with um, prodigious armpit hair, and my mom has already started asking me to shave it for the trip. Um, they are not paying for this vacation, although they are paying for our apartment, so I bought the airfare. Um, I'm in my late 20s. I, you know, I don't live with them. We live in different states, different cities, but... I really also don't want this to become a giant affair. So my question is, um, do I have to shave my armpits for my family's grand European vacation? Unfortunately, it is not the kind of European country where women frequently do not shave their armpits. Um, I've Googled this extensively. So uh, just let me know. Um, it's not a huge deal, except that my parents tend to be a little bit dramatic about um Lots of stuff, so uh, I could see it becoming a point of contention throughout the trip. However, they're my armpits. I love that kind of question because so much of life uh, is made up of 
arguments and disagreements where sooner or later someone's going to say, it's about the principle of the thing. And that's always a really fascinating place to end up in because you never know when someone's going to think it's about the principle of the thing and not at all about the details of the situation. And sometimes the situations that I think are really about the principle of the thing are not. They're just about the thing itself. Um, So the question is, uh, do my parents have the right to tell me to shave my armpits? I'm a grown woman. I'm paying for my own airfare. You know, how how, how dare they dictate to me the, the way in which I arrange the hair on my body? And then the other the other side is always who's willing to really go to the mattresses on this one? Like, are my parents the kind of people who would ruin a European family vacation with their adult children because one of them has unshaven armpits? And so you have to sort of weigh, well, no one has the right to tell me what to do with my body hair against, do I want to have a fight about my armpit hair for two weeks in Prague or Budapest uh, or, or, or wherever it is that you're going that is European, but, but where everyone shaves? And that's a question that only you can answer because only you know your parents. And some parents are the kind of people who would say, oh, armpit hair. I don't like it. I wish you would shave it. But if you say, no, it's my hair. Don't worry about it. They would let it alone. And some parents would just at every stop say, you know, I would really enjoy Vatican City a whole lot more if you shaved under your arms. Um, And sometimes, you you know, it might be worth shaving for two weeks to not get yelled at. But um. You paid for your own ticket, man. Like, keep your armpit hair if you want to. Like, what? Did I, that's such a weird request. Like, it's not the 50s. People have unshaved armpit hair. That's a thing. The 70s happened. Nobody shaved during the entire decade. There was a musical called Hair. Like, how do your parents not know this? Um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say, die on this hill. You know what? Die on this hill. Unless you think your parents are just going to, like, wake you up every morning just screaming and sobbing at the foot of your bed. Oh, our daughter has armpit hair. What a shame she's brought on the family escutcheon. Uh, you know, oh, if only if only we had died when she was born, we wouldn't have to live to see this terrible day. Like, what the fuck are they going to do? It's armpit hair. You're probably... No, yes, die on this hill. Tell them that you appreciate the input. Uh, you have noted it in the minutes of your last family meeting. Uh, but unfortunately, their vote did not carry the day. You were keeping the armpit hair and they can fucking lump it. Please don't use any of that language when you're talking to your parents because they raised you and gave you life and you should respect them. Um, but just say no. Yeah. Just say, nope, not going to do it. And then whenever they bring it up, just smile and say, suggestion noted. And that's it for me, folks. That's all the advice I have left for the day. Thanks for listening to Dear Prudence. Our producer is Casey Miner. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcasts, and Andy Bowers is the chief content officer of Panoply. And remember, you can hear longer, extra special bonus episodes of Dear Prudence by joining Slate Plus. Go to slate.com slash plus to sign up. Okay, see you here next week. You idiot. You have prediabetes. Even though our, like, Western society is totally set up in such a way to make that pretty easy to develop. You dumb bitch. Like, why? Why is yelling at her a part of your treatment plan? Jeez. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.